The reading this morning is from Galatians chapter 3, 13 through 23, and this is from the Message Bible. Please stand. For everything we know about God's word is summoned up in a single sentence, love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My poem today comes from Denise Levertov, who is one of my favorite poets. This is from her book, Sands of the Well. And the title of the poem is What Time is Made From. The hand that inscribed Genesis left out the creation of time. Dividing darkness from light, God paused to reach into the substance of eternity, teased out a strand of it, and wound its arabesques throughout the workshop of creation, looping it through arches of new-made days and nights, pulling and stretching each of them into eons. Our own lifetimes and centuries were formed from leftover bits and pieces, frayed ends of God's ribbon, rags from the eternal scrap bag. So we're ending our time of imagine today. Imagine the people of God. Imagine what can be done if the people of God come together. Imagine who we are. Imagine what we can do. Imagine all the nitpicking and all of the things that we can't possibly agree on and all of the things where people are talking about other people and all of the things that separate us. We have a lot of that going on too. So how do we bridge that? How do we get to a point where we're all working together so that we can bear fruit from this orchard we call Christianity? The word fruition, I think, is kind of funny because you don't use it very often. I've hardly ever used fruition in a sentence outside of church. But it really does have meaning. And this time of year when we have so much bounty, so many things are ripe, so many things are ready to be harvested. And we look around church and say, what is our harvest? And what are we in the business of trying to harvest in the first place? I hear, not just from you, but from other people of faith, that what we really need to be doing is taking our faith outside of the building. What we really need to be doing is 
reaching those people who haven't heard about God. Sorry about that. Sometimes we forget that Dammit is not God's last name, and we hear this all the time throughout our culture. And we don't worry about that because somehow in our convoluted brains, we're afraid to say anything. I shared a story in the stewardship meeting this week, so excuse me, Pat. Byron's not here, so it isn't gonna matter. But things that we say have an impact. And when my granddaughter was about three or four, she went to vacation Bible school with me. And it was a vacation Bible school that served supper before they did their classes and crafts and all that. And they sat down to eat, and someone said, let's say grace. And my grace looks at me, and she goes, Grandma, that's silly. And I said, what, what's silly? And she said, I'm grace. And I said, yes, you are. And I said, but you say grace at home. And she looks at me with her beautiful blue eyes, and she says, we don't say grace, we say blessing. <laughs> so what we say makes a difference. How we name something makes a difference. How we do our stuff makes a difference. Now, I'm, I've hammered you pretty hard about going outside the doors. And you haven't even gotten warmed up yet. And I haven't gotten warmed up either, so maybe we'll put seatbelts in the pews. I just think that hoping and wishing and praying for people to come into this building is an effort in futility. I'm all in favor of prayer. I think prayer is wonderful. But we need to be about being invitational. You want to see fruit of an effort? You invite people to church. You ask someone to come with you, not just say, hey, we got this great church, why don't you show up? But invite them to come with you. We sang about that this morning. Take the gospel into the world. I'm a real St. Francis evangelist, where I believe that we should preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. People should know who we are and whose we are by how we live, by how we relate to one another by how we relate to those people that aren't here, how we relate to our neighborhood, how we relate to the people that we see standing at the, the lights with a sign that says they're homeless, how we relate to the people who are going to be living here with family promise. How do we relate to the other, if you will? I believe very strongly 
that relationships are the most important thing that we can even begin to accomplish. Our scripture text today says, love one another as you love yourself. Now I maintain that if you get up and look in the mirror on, you know, in the morning while you're brushing your teeth and say, ugh, I can't stand you, you're a slug. That's exactly how you will treat everyone you meet. It is not egotistical to love yourself. Loving is an important thing to do, and loving yourself is first. We really, if we can't love ourselves, we can't love anybody else. We have no capacity to love anybody else if we can't love ourselves. Now, I know there are days that I just would like to say, I wish I hadn't said that, I wish I hadn't done that, I wish I had done something different. But what I've learned over time is that even when I make a huge mistake, sorry is a good word to keep in my lexicon. And when somebody steps on my toes, and I have very tiny toes, just saying, but if somebody steps on my toes, forgiving is not a hard thing to do. If we're going to hold grudges, we're holding them in ourselves. Nine times out of ten, the person that you have a grudge against is going on their life and they don't even know and they don't even care. They're not paying any attention to who you are or what you're thinking or how you are relating. And when we get all excited because somebody else has said something about us or somebody else doesn't like us, Many years ago, somebody told me, your opinion of me is none of my business. Think about that. What you think about me is none of my business. You can think anything you want about me. I'm absolutely certain there are some people here who don't really like me very much because I'm stepping on your toes. I'm you know, turning those thumb screws just a little too tight. But my own self-worth isn't based on what you think of me. It's based on what I think of me and what God thinks of me. So I've never met a clergy person yet who doesn't want everybody to like them. Actually, I've never met a person yet who doesn't want everybody to like them. It's part of our human nature. We want to be liked. We want to have everybody think that we're okay. And the truth is, we're not always okay. I'm not okay today. I'm not fine. Or maybe I am fine. I'm freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Very emotional. But I know in the very core of my soul that God loves me just the way I am. And I know that God has given me certain gifts that are really, really great. Am I good at everything? 
Absolutely not. But I'm excellent at some things. Do I have a short fuse? Sometimes. Am I quick to point out other people's flaws? Nowhere near as much as I used to be. Nowhere near as much as I used to be because it's not important to me. Your flaws are none of my business either. Your flaws are yours. Work it out. If I can help, I'd be happy to help, but my pointing out your flaws isn't going to help either of us. Life is hard, and trying to go it alone makes it even harder. Trying to say, we've got this all together, and then we go to God and say, see how good we are? See what we did? Aren't we great? Instead of starting with God and saying, God, where would you have us go next? Where would you have us serve you in this community? If we are truly the people of God, not just imagining it, but if we are truly the people of God, we will bear fruit. But we have to put some stuff away. We have to move some barriers out of the way. Is it easy? No. Not even a little bit easy. Is it hard work? Very hard work. There are some things that I know I'm going to say over the next few weeks that are really going to ruffle some feathers. I've worked all the way through Advent, so I know what I'm going to say. And I know that it's not going to be easy to hear. But to wring your hands and to think that you are helpless and hopeless isn't going to help either. If you give up on God, you've also given up on yourself and you also have given up on this church. Where is the gospel in your life? Is the gospel something you live, or is the gospel something that you refer to on Sunday and forget the minute you walk out the door? Is the gospel your guiding principle? Is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that good news a core value? Is knowing that God is present in your life? Is your faith a core value? Because if your faith doesn't make it into your core values, what's it all about? We're not racking up points with God's for church attendance, committee membership, or leadership. God is not keeping score. For those of you who are at home and who haven't been in church in weeks because you still don't feel safe coming out in public, see, you don't have to worry about that anymore because just because you're not here doesn't mean that you're not going to get noticed by God. I remember telling some kids early on when we were doing a scavenger hunt in a church, 
and children went up behind the altar and somebody said, you can't go there, that's where God lives. And I thought, really? Crummy house for God. Stone and wood? No thank you. It's not even a pillow. The kids thought that, that was pretty funny. Somebody told me this week that I was funny. I didn't know I was, but you know, the idea that God lives there is no funnier than when God lived in the ark, that God could be put in a box and carried around. God lives in our hearts, but we can wall off part of our hearts and say, absolutely not, God. We're not going to acknowledge that you're there because if you're there, then we have to do something with you. We have to live up to your expectations. I can't live up to God's expectations, so I'm just going to forget that part. Except that God doesn't let up. God's not going to leave you alone if you ignore God. God has an uncanny sense of picking, and picking, and picking, and picking, until you have to say, okay, I get it. So if we are going to bear fruit, my friends, we better get busy. I'm only going to be here another nine months, but the thing is, nine months is time enough to birth something. So we can birth something. Will it be the answer for everything? Probably not. But I tell you, Anyone who has had a child in their family knows that it changes everything. One baby can change everything. My faith is based on one baby that changed everything. So let's get busy. Let's get busy to birth something over the next months. Let's get busy to let that one birthing change everything. May it be so. Amen.